A mythic jungle beast has a very real-life animal avatar as a creature is transported into the heart of the U.S. from the deep, dark reaches of Brazil. Join us as we examine the tribal origins of a monster set to rampage on Chicago. This is Kaiju vs. History, The Relic. Welcome back to Kaiju versus History. This is your minuscule museum admin, Patrick, and joining me is a well-constructed rubber head thrown against the ground, known mm-hmm. as Miles. <laughs> I hey, didn't think, hey there, hi there, ho there. <laughs> didn't think I would get sick of people's heads getting torn off in this movie, but it got old. <laughs> and when you see one more rubber head, you're just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. They, they, use, <laughs> they, they use that Stan Winston <laughs> Special effects, maybe too much. <laughs> it's just people's heads torn off all over the place. Yeah, you 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 make reference to Lydia Hunt, who I always assumed was the basis of Edna Mode from The Incredibles. How is she not? How could she not like, be? Like, I just assume that's, I thought that was who that was. <laughs> <laughs> that actress, yeah. And, and she's great. Hmm. So, as alluded to last week, yes, I I forced this one upon Patrick. I, I wouldn't uh, say forced, but you foisted it upon the 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 podcast. You know, because... I was going to say foisted and 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 messed that up, so I just kept on going. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, um, I mean, you you did say that you felt this is a uh, a kaiju adjacent yes. film, and you know, it's it's honestly probably good that we break up some of the. Japanese representation here in the Heisei because we, you know, we were eating too good with Godzilla and Gamera movies. <laughs> Need to break it up a little bit, but I mean, we also had Zarkor. <laughs> we, so, had, we had enough bad American film, and but, and what, what was the other one? Galgameth. Um, Galgameth. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're talking about uh, 1997's The Relic. Which, yeah. So. I I have a long history with this movie. I, I've seen I do this as well. I've read the book probably dozens of times. It is based on the same book, the same name, the 1995 novel by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child, which we're going to talk about a lot in this and review. I think I read the sequel, but I may have just borrowed it from my friend and never read it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I had known that that's what the books were about, they kind of look like a little stodgy. Uh, they, they they do. I was um, I was reading your your Michael Crichton. I think in that time in in the night, which you would have enjoyed this book. Oh yeah, to one hundred percent. I'm I was such a huge fan, and I I think there's there's a lot of crossover between well between and these writers. That's where. Uh, so this is this is why I wanted to do that because you know, as much as I'll complain about the American fifties stuff that we were watching, it was giant creatures, but and and atomic associated atomic creatures. So I could see why we were doing that but i also wanted to to take a uh, a moment to talk about some of these american monster movies we were more focused with the genetic angle for the most part uh partially because you know that was where science fiction was and science was delving into that plus we had just had jurassic park that mm-hmm. made that a huge plot point for so many things I mean, but, honestly, Jurassic Park could be on this list if we're talking about kaiju adjacent things, because those are giant genetically engineered 
Yeah, not, but we, not we, dinosaurs, we I think we made a know? very specific point that we weren't going to cover Jurassic Park. Yeah, um, it just feels like if we did, we would have so many similar things to kind of to go over. It, and and that was one of the reasons we had to create some lines in the sand. Now, this one is is more kaiju adjacent. Yeah, well, I would say less adjacent than maybe Tremors, but still pretty adjacent. And I honestly, think, the more the more I watch the movie, the more kaiju-like it is. I was about to say, I think it is kind of even more kaiju film-esque than Tremors, where it's Tremors has that, the, the idea tongue, of <laughs> you, we need to defeat these creatures, you know, these monsters. It is more a a horror run away from the monster kind of story here in, in the relic. And also yeah, and, uh, there's like a, more, uh, there's like a mythos of this monster in that is explored in this movie. Whereas they're just big bugs that show up. In well, Tremors. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned Crichton because this feels very Crichton esque mm-hmm. and, and, and this is very much more a horror film than anything else. The fact that it has a giant creature is well, I think circumstantial to how the film is presented. The original uh, Gojira was very much a horror film, you know, mm-hmm. and honestly, yeah, but this, this even has this, the classic cat jump scare. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> there are some, some certain homages that probably could have been edited out, but the, the way this creature is set up is I feel like if it had another 15 minutes, they could have had a coda, of turning it into a kaiju, a kaiju. size creature, hundred percent, because and, it's supposed to be growing. Like the more that it feeds, and it gets this huge boost of like, <laughs> it it like eats like ten people right at the end of the movie. So I just figured that that's maybe where they wanted to go, which would have been such a cool ending, but they did not. Yeah, honestly, where it ends, I forgot that that's where it ends, and I'm like, oh, like I I understand this is a big piece in 1990, like seven. But I was like, I feel like now that would have been kind of like the midpoint. <laughs> it's a little anticlimactic, the the ending, which I mean, we'll get to it eventually. But I, yeah, as far as the feels of a kaiju movie, you know, like I said, the reason I was like totally fine. Let's put this on the list and discuss it is one thing that's 100 percent going on our list. And we're going to talk about is less than 10 years from now, the Korean film, The Host, which is. Which- very similar in presentation. Well, as far as the monsters concerned, yes. has a ton of similarities, not just from mm-hmm. design, but also the the way like how, how how it how it like yeah how it moves how it evolves like it's a very like it, similar monster. It also kind of like quadrupedally crawls on the ceiling and things like that. I was I was uh, astounded going back and watching this how how similar it was like. There's. I'm pretty sure that there's some some influences there. So something to to explore as we get. Yeah. Before before we go any further, Patrick, why don't you to go ahead and tell me what, if anything, is in a title? Well, he's got some weird ones. <laughs> yeah, I will say the title that we got is, you know, of course, the title of the the what is it? The title of the book is the book called The Relic or just Relic? It's, it's just, I think it's just called Relic. Okay. I don't know why they they've added the, the sequel is called Reliquary. Yeah, I don't know why they added the for for the film, but the relic is a terrible name for for a movie. It's just kind of like one of those generic nineties names. I mean, I don't know. I'm I I don't hate it to be honest. Yeah. Um. Well, we have some other options from other countries if you want to. Yeah. Go well, hit those. me hit me with them. Uh, the relic 
uh, hyphen the killing curse or maybe subtitle from from Finland. That's okay. It's not bad. I do like the TV German TV title, which was the relic, the Museum of Fear, because that's that's pretty accurate. Like, you know, they have this whole exhibit about like superstitions and stuff, and it, it does have a horror kind of quality to that title. The Norwegian one Norwegian title was The Screams in Chicago, which is terrible. It's a terrible title. <laughs> I love it. It's so bad. <laughs> I don't know how this was translated out, but Taiwan's title translates to Terminator of the Third Type. <laughs> okay. Why? Why? But how? And also why? And then Turkey, this was just translated as Dangerous Creatures, which to the false advertising. No, there's if it's Creatures plural, it's not quite accurate. There's there some... are creatures plural. That giant beetle. Uh, yeah, that's just a, that's just a big beetle. <laughs> that's just a big beetle. But yeah, that is that is some of the interesting uh, ways this was translated. For the most part, this was just called relic or a relic in in other countries. But I guess thematically, they they talk about how you know genetically there are some things that are like relics in our dna code and they they, go into that a little bit i I think the book goes more into the importance of the actual relic that they get in with everything else of the Mm -hmm. chimera that is briefly talked about in the movie but like it's it's what this creature is Mm -hmm. so that i think plays a bigger part in the book and not so much in the movie the the creature is the star of the movie not the relic Which is perfectly fine. This is this is a, a monster movie after all. And you said you've you've read the the book before back when it came. came oh, I, I, yeah, I read it back in the day. I, I have not read that book in t- over twenty years. Yeah. So the 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 novel by by Preston and, and Child has their you know p- former public relations director of the American Museum of Natural History in New York City be which I believe is focus. where the novel is set. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, no. They're they're a, one of them worked for that museum. That is where the book is set. They, you know, obviously had a a home field advantage in kind of like writing about a place that Douglas Preston knew. Lincoln Child also, I think, lived in in New York. So that that's where they did want this movie to be set, and they they got wop, a, wop. an inkling of kind of like how the museum staff were depicted in the I guess the book and the movie, and they couldn't do it there, so we did we did have to yeah. settle for Chicago's um, so natural this, history museum. This 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 tells me that they had some old people on staff because I remember I remember reading that like oh yes I understand that the the administration museum (laughs) yeah right well the 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 problem was paramount was going to offer them like a seven figure sum of money to film there but the administration was worried that the monster would scare kids away from the museum i'm sorry (laughs) if i saw a monster movie that took place at a specific museum that i was going to to visit i would be stoked out of my mind and so would any other kid they really should have just taken a six figure sum and then was like, can we have the monster? Can we have the the model when you're done? Can we like put it up? Exactly. That, people that, that's how I know dumb people today. were in charge. That's how I know <laughs> dumb people were in charge, because this this is a no brainer. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you don't know if a movie is going to be successful beforehand, but whether it's a success or not, like it's still cool. <laughs> this was under the direction of Peter Haynes. 
uh, who, Hyams, I think. Yeah, it, it, it's still still around today. I'm not sure how how active they are. I think it looks like the last. Um, I know he does some television, but th- this this person has directed enough of my of my youth. I mean, executive <laughs> producer on one of my favorite movies of all time, The Monster Squad. As I was telling you before we started recording, he directed one of my favorite John Ritter movies, Stay Tuned, which is an absolute blast. It's streaming on multiple things. For some Check reason, yeah, that maybe they weren't convinced by by his his track record. The, the previous two movies he'd done before The Relic were Jean-Claude Van Damme action film, Sun Death, yep. and Time Cop, which is another one of my favorites growing up. Yeah, but. I'm not a big Van Damme person, but Time Cop's a lot of fun, and Sudden Death is probably my favorite Van Damme movie. It's it's a great diehard ripoff. It's diehard, but hockey. It's it's a lot of fun. He also did that Musketeer movie in 2001 that was pretty pretty decent. I've seen that one, but and he uh, did End of Days as well, the Schwarzenegger joint. Yes, 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 yes. That that has a very similar feel to to this movie, so I can kind of see them. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. He also did that that Sean Connery movie, Outland. Yeah, that one. That one didn't ring quite as many bells. Oh man, you. It's not kaiju related, but you got. I think you'll like it. It's 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 a weird movie. It's like Sean Connery's like a cop on Jupiter or something, and. It's 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 like a space western. Yeah, I cool. think you'd like it. Uh, I mean, you sign me up. I was I was there at space and doubly signed up for space western. The 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 book that this is based on is the first book to introduce one of their longest running characters, FBI agent Pendergast, who shows up in t- like twenty other books has like a whole number of 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 series that lincoln child and, and douglas preston wrote together he's not in this movie though yeah he, he's not even part of this movie at all <laughs> is maybe understandable because i mean i think they only maybe reliquary was out when this movie was out so there's only like two books with them but there's already in, in both book and the movie i guess more of a male lead character in the lieutenant Vincent D'Agosto, played by Tom Sizemore in, in this film. But yeah, there was a lot of characters in this movie already. You have as well a who else is who else was in here? Sergeant Hollingsworth, played by Clayton Rohner, who, who I remember from like a lot of 80s movies. I feel like mm-hmm, yeah. he's in just one of the guys. And but yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of characters already, so I understand maybe not making it like a, a trio of main characters and just having Tom Sizemore um, acting across from Penelope and Miller, who's our biologist, museum biologist, which is, you know, <laughs> it's it's kind of an interesting uh, job she has at, at the museum. But she's the the strong female. Um, I, I would say our main character, but I, I think they kind of split duties between her and, and, and Tom, Tom Sizemore. Absolutely. Because we kind of start with, I think, Tom Sizemore in the investigation phase of, of the film, which is like the first half hour or so. It's a pretty slow burn for, for that bit. But um, yeah, what any any other cast or crew you want to well, call so, and talk about? Well, I wanted to briefly mention James Whitmore as Albert Frock. Who plays yeah. the, the mentor character? There, for, there's some um, kaiju connections right there, Miles. Yeah, <laughs> of course he was in them. So another, you know, 
giant creature monster movie and uh, tons of other classic 50s and, and 60s films as well. He's great. He's just such a great character. Actor. He's, he's a great character actor. It's even more fun when you under when you know that like his character in the books is different and in, like reliquary apparently like he's like leads a group of mole people. <laughs> oh yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> like it's make such that a weird, sequel coward. It's such a weird thing. And it's like, well, like I think the character is a very different character. Cause I think in, well, he gets Mar- a bit off in this movie. <laughs> well, and, and Margo is like a graduate student in the book. She's not like a lead doctor try- or a lead person trying to get a grant, you mm-hmm. know? And Everything about this, 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 the way this muse- museum set up, uh, set up is really nebulous. I'm like, is this a museum or is this a department? Yeah. Like, yeah, they they got like a whole science research. It's, it's like they work for a university, but not at all. Yeah, that that's one of the things. It's like I, I guess they have evolutionary biologists at museums, but she seems to be doing like applied research. And- yeah, exactly. And I mean, I know some museums do fun applied research. That that. I, I've learned plenty from mysteries of the museum, but to the to the degree that they were working, it felt like when you had all these departments, and then you get to see like the the map, it really felt like a university. Like it was very strange. But yeah, let's 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 get let's get into this one because I I have a lot of fun with this movie. Like it, it like, no. like you, this was a favorite of mine as a kid. <laughs> I I watched it a lot growing up, which is you know I think it was just one of those ones that was always on your HBOs or, or showtimes or whatever. Oh yeah. It, it hit that circuit hard. And I don't know if it did extremely well when it came out, but no, it was, it was, I think, it, I think it just, it, it could have even lost money, which is probably why reliquary d- did not didn't happen, <laughs> but obviously Preston also, child going, going from popular. Kaiju to mole people probably is a big ask. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, they they just take the idea of like this kind of genetic material that was mutating the creature and in the sequel, taking a different direction. Still kind of like science fiction-esque, fantasy-esque direction. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I want to talk about the monster, Miles. Let's, you know, why the podcast yeah, let's, really let's talk exists. About, yeah, let's talk about this monster because it's <laughs> it's interesting. The Kathoga, a mythical forest monster. The opening of the movie kind of starts with someone in a mask that is kind of like looks like it. And they the the main researcher, uh, uh, John Whitney in in South America with this this tribe who makes them drink like a a concoction and, uh, you know, sends them off on his merry way. And he. We we come to find out he is transformed into the Kathoga. So he's kind of like the the vessel for this mythical creature that genetically is a big mix of like a ton of different things. And you find out it, it's kind of spread by a fungus that maybe adapts and like steals DNA from all kinds of creatures. So the design for this monster was given to Stan Winston and his production team who were given a lot of different assignments. Uh, One was to make the outline of the face kind of arachnid. And then there's like tufts of fur on the creature. There's reptile elements of the creature. So it is probably one of the best kind of chimera monsters I think I've ever seen in film. Yes. I mean, Stan Winston company certainly understood the, the uh, understood the assignment and, and did well. And 
so there's a problem with this movie that both of us talk about, but I also mm. think it helps the movie in the monster department. And that is the fact that this movie is lit by nobody. They turned out the lights. <laughs> they and, fired uh, the lighting guy day one. And... There are two flashlights uh, at all times throughout <laughs> most of this movie. And that is your only source of light. I think I knew what they were trying to do. They were trying to go over this natural like light aesthetic to like amp up the darkness and the mystery. The problem with that is it works if you're looking at it in real life. Mm-hmm. If you're watching it on screen, it everything is dark. Everything's blacked out and not in a way that creates suspense. It's in a, a way that creates irritation because I can't see the characters doing anything. So I don't know what's happening. So when you have something coming up from the water, guess what? Can't see it. Not scary. That is a huge problem with this movie. That said, because they were using this amalgamation of, you know, some CGI, it's really some really undated CGI now and some animatronic stuff. The, the creature being in the dark a lot helps because it keeps that element of, of scariness of the creature. And even when you see like the full face coming at you in, in the flashlight, it's great. And in that way, it does work really, really well. The, the darkness really helps with the, CGI because towards the end of the movie when the monster is lit by all these fires and things it's, it's oh much it's worse it's look I'm a defender of bad CGI like CGI doesn't bother me and still didn't in this movie but I did I did chuckle greatly at, it, at that creature on fire that was it, it's just it was like the human torch it's bad. hard it's hard because you, when you go from the animatronics it has such a weight to it. It has such like a physical imposing feature. And then when you go to the CGI, it's a very floaty <laughs> monster. Like it just kind of is flitting around. And, yeah. And they're doing uh, that liquid fire thing. So it makes it feel even more ethereal. But when it's like on the the grates and crawling after Margo, like, yeah. you feel the heaviness and it's really, really good. Yeah. Great monster. And, and one that I do feel like has a place kind of in the mythology of, of, of kaiju creatures. It is kind of a chimera-like creature and it goes from this tribal community all the way across the world to downtown Chicago. So it is, while it's contained within a building, it is a very large building at the very least, the, the museum. Yeah. It, 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 it is going on a, a rampage, honestly, very similar to, to the film, the host. And like I said, I, I feel like, if this movie had gone a little bit longer, it could have gotten to kaiju size because the whole point of it is when it's eating people's pituitary glands and sucking out their brains, it feeds on that and it kind of fuels its transformation because it started out large enough to fit in a crate, right? Yeah, like it crawled in probably like was was the 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 guy James Whitney in the crate? I'm so confused. <laughs> so he 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 sneaks aboard the ship. Yeah. And did he seal himself in the the crate i think so. he I, he did something to himself i think yeah um, or, or no he yeah he he got on the ship and then went through the tunnels underneath the city from the docks all the way to the 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 museum i think that's how they explained it but okay yeah the, so yeah sometimes was a little unclear to me <laughs> um, but the, yeah the crate was sent to the museum and it had the leaves in it so that's like what drew him there there's there's a good amount of this movie that is kind of like they are they are talking a lot explaining a lot but mm-hmm. um yeah yeah it didn't have a great opening when when it came out but like I said I feel like this did find a, a bit more of an audience in home video release really at the 
the the apex of VHS rental before DVDs came out. And yeah, it it got some pretty good reviews. I'm I'm looking at a review here from Roger Ebert, who gave it three stars. Give it a give it a thumbs up. It's always fun to go back and, and read these reviews, but um, yeah, I think even surprised. Cisco liked it, and he's he's notoriously kind of tough on pretty surprised, yeah, on these movies. So I was I was pretty happy to see that. It does not hold up today as far as scoring goes. You, you're going to find some some pretty rank approval ratings from your Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb's and, and what have you. It's got a thirty. 7% for the, the critic score on Oof. tomatoes and 34 for the audience score. And what? Yeah. I'm thinking part of it is what you just said. It's just really hard to like see the movie. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, like, I mean, I saw this movie at in the theaters and on VHS and I mean, I knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you also have this great, like the Tom Sizemore story of him trying to find what he assumes is a serial killer. That. That story is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I really like Tom Sizemore in this movie. Um, he's had a or had a very complicated life. Not something I really want to dive into on the podcast right now. Yeah, no, he he unfortunately just passed away, right? Yes, he did. Yeah, he I mean, his character here, and I think he admits it so much in, in interviews, is really just to move the plot forward, but does, you know, become kind of a, a heroic leader character kind of towards the the end of the movie and, and takes over takes control of the situation to try and save people's lives in the museum leonard malton gave this movie two and a half stars out of four and reduced it uh, a little bit by calling it alien in a museum and i don't think that's super accurate i, I mean maybe no i mean it uses the cat jump scare and if that's the only thing you're going to com- compare to Alien, nothing about this is like Alien. Well, there, uh, I think you can make a lot of comparisons between Penelope Miller's character and a Ripley as, you know, your strong female lead. But I feel like there's more aliens. They're so different, alien. though. I, yeah. I, I mean, like, that was why she took the job is she thought this role was very interesting. And it is. I mean, she does a great job in this movie. She's fantastic. Yeah. Very, a very '90s character. <laughs> oh, I mean, this this movie is '90s to its core, and and, and that, that's kind of why I love it so much. But yeah, it, it's it a, it's like a very '90s movie. Between a two and a half from Leonard Malton and a three from Audrey Ebert, you you think it would have a higher score just in general when it came out? But yeah, I was surprised it was as low as it was. I mean, I I can also understand it. The, the script is a little bit of a mess in terms of mm. like. It has a mythology, but like try when it tries to line up all of its pieces, sometimes it doesn't always, you know, connect and and that can be an issue. It's not really that big of a deal, but like, I mean, there are some things that are a little over the top. Like, so this entire time, like Margot Green is in contention for this grant that this smarmy other scientist <laughs> named uh, Dr. Lee is trying to get. And they make this person like without morals and like so despicable <laughs> joking about that, like, the guard that died and yeah, yeah. joking about the guard that dies and Lock, like locks even, her in the basement yeah even point. telling the person oh yeah everyone's out knowing that margo was not there and like yes maybe he didn't know there was a giant monster on the loose but still mm-hmm. like there's also a wheelchair bound man who <laughs> like the, the that Look, it's enjoyable, but you're also like, as soon as you like try to think about it, you're like, this is 
very dumb, but I, I don't mind it being dumb. But yeah, yeah there, there are these kind of things that happen. His character, the Dr. Lee's character, really reminded me a lot. cartoonishly despicable. <laughs> reminded me a lot of the, the, the lawyer from Jurassic Park. It's like he is there. So like you're like you, you finally can like enjoy the monster killing someone and he's got a great death he you know has to oh he does from and, and and sees it it's in the reflection of this like a, a like armor or shield or something I, I i forget what he sees a reflection in but yeah you, you can tell like as soon as they introduce it that character is like oh man that guy's gonna die yeah this movie does kind of veer a little closer into a just a classic horror movie in like oh who's gonna get taken out next but uh, like i said just they're just about enough kaiju related stuff to kind of warrant us taking a little detour here in, in the heisei era do, do you want to talk about our rating for this movie anything else you want to talk about i guess before we get there <laughs> no no no. We, we can we can we can do that i enjoy this a lot i i gotta say even even me probably having seen this movie as much as I have seen Tremors <laughs> um, back then. And even now, I don't understand why I enjoy this so much, but it is a memorable monster. It's got some very fun horror elements baked in. I think Roger Ebert noted that the gore level is a bit higher than average for your kind of creature standard feature, yeah. creature feature or horror, horror movie. Stan Winston makes like tons of fakes heads because the monster like clips your head off and then sucks your medulla oblongata out. It's it's very, very graphic in, in that nature. But yeah, thinking about it, I trimmers. Mama's wrong again. I like trimmers. I like this movie. I think they are. They, they both do something very well in that the pacing is it's pretty perfect for, for each. And yeah, there, there wasn't really anything like this movie. I think when it came out, I feel like there's like a million kind of creature feature monster movies now, but it, yeah. it shares it. Th there are a lot of elements that do remind me of, of not just aliens, but also, you know, things that made Jurassic parks successful in, in the same, same vein. So yeah, like I said, it is, is very good on a rewatch. I don't know if I need to rewatch this thing again anytime soon, but I'm giving it a seven out of 10 for personal enjoyment. It's a very fun movie. Better fun. What about you, Miles? So I, man, I just, I really enjoy this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. It's, it's fully nineties in so many great ways. And despite the fact that, yeah, it's got, it stumbles at science. It's not as smart as Jurassic park. At least the film script is not, but it tries. And you know what? I'm, I'm okay with an attempt Mm -hmm. And it doesn't it doesn't hamper my enjoyment of the movie. And so even though I do agree that the, the, the final like showdown ends a little anticlimactically by today's standards, it's still super fun. I had a great time with this movie. All the moving parts do work for me. Mm -hmm. So I, I I'm going to give it an eight out of ten for my personal enjoyment. I really enjoy this movie. I think it's a yeah. lot of fun. I have a, a huge soft spot for these 90s American monster movies because part of it was. I didn't have access to the Japanese movies, so I took what I mm -hmm. could get. Like outside of just just the Godzilla stuff, like Gamera, no way. I, I mean, I saw maybe one on a Mystery Science Theater episode, but I didn't really have any, probably any interaction with Gamera until I think The Brave came out. That was my first actual Gamera movie by itself. It was when that one came out in '06. So yeah, almost um, ten years I, after this. Yeah, so I, I, I do hold these in 
a little bit more of a higher regard than probably I should. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I do have a good time. Well, um, what about what about the the technical aspect? Where you where you rating this one? So you know, this is this is the same decade that we're we're getting. You know, amazing Toho. Godzilla, yeah, and, uh, and I, do, movies. I do ding it a little bit more for its technical aspect. It it certainly has a, a Hollywood budget, which nothing that we're watching currently does. So it, it kind of yeah. already has an unfair advantage. Like, I think it starts as a baseline five just because of, of the production value of a Hollywood picture. That, and then that's an overgeneralization. So don't take that to heart. But I think that. Well, I mean, the just script. just by comparison, this probably had a budget of like over ten million more than, uh, and these are just estimates. Then Godzilla versus Destoroya, you know? Oh, I uh, believe it. Like three to five billion in versus this one has been projected anywhere from forty to sixty million. You know, some of that might be marketing. This is when marketing kind of went crazy yeah. <laughs> for movies. But yeah, it, even if they were kind of like the same budgets, I, I feel like it still they looks do, slicker. They do different um, things. Yeah, yeah, they do do different things. That said, the script is a little bit of you know this is where I can criticize the script's a little bit of a mess. It's 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 not bad. Like if they could if they is could it, tone in some of the cartoonishness and do you feel like they in, did a good job adapting the book minus one less character completely. I mean, honestly, the book is so different. Like it's the, the beats are the same, but it's not like Jurassic park where a lot of the book is in the movie. This feels very, very different. And, and also I have not read that book in over 20 years, so I don't remember a lot of it. Mm -hmm. I just remember that certain parts were, were different, but so you, you you have a you have a successful work that this is already based on. This is when books were being adapted very quickly. I mean, the nineties especially. I mean, it was the like, decade for adaptations. I feel like for mm-hmm. for novels. But I, I I do feel like even though it kind of mixes some of its science up, the script itself is generally okay outside of being a little cartoonish. I think where it the problems occur is that lighting. That lighting, like while it does help the monster when they're looking through the tunnels and everything, which is a set that they built. They were not dealing with elements that they did not have control over. They built this set. So much of this was filmed in Chicago, of course, you know, at the museum. But yeah, that under all that stuff was in underground. Yeah, was was a was a set, which I mean, it looks very good. But oh, it's a great it's a great looking set. But but you are correct. So dark. They just used the. They just used two flashlights. So there's that, and I mean, here's the thing: I'm not going to dock it for its CGI because then it was still pretty cutting edge. And yes, it looks very silly now. I probably thought it didn't look as silly then, but it it does. So I I think I think it's I think it's a very good production overall. I think the monster design is very cool. I think look, I love Stan Winston uh, special effects. I love them them goofy decapitated heads. I think they look great. So I'm going with a seven out of ten. I, th- I think it's a pretty solid production, despite the fact that it's by far, far from a perfect one. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm, I'm just so I'm so impressed by Stan Winston's kind of workshop and <laughs> love that workshop so much. It really makes me wish we had gotten one of the Godzilla productions with them kind of doing practical pseudomation and or, you know, animatronic work for for an american godzilla because that almost happened several times it feels like but yeah the the gores is is pretty on point the the monster's movement 
I think even the CGI, which, like I said, looks a little floaty today for its time was so good. I remember this yeah. looking very amazing. And I think it's just one of those things. As soon as you like up res it, put an HD, it just is like you can spot all these little errors. But I think like if you had seen this on the big screen in the 90s, just like mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, it kind of uh, smooths over all those edges. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think there's great casting choices, some great directions, some very memorable moments from this film. It is getting docked a lot of points for, I mean, this is slightly generic at the the end of the day and does feel like it is missing a, a personality that that this kind of movie needs. And I think it's mostly that our two main actors both didn't feel like they were the only kind of like lead actor Uh, it feels like they're both supporting roles you know and it's not that great of a ensemble to to kind of give that strength and kathoga doesn't really have that as much personality as it kind of needs to for this kind of movie as well is is great looking but not not personality wise so yeah i'm right there with you at a a seven out of ten for its its technical score is very good uh, on our scale which is Mm -hmm. true but for its evocative nature, that's where I'm digging it the most points because I don't consider this a kaiju film per se, but there is enough connective tissue, I feel, to to warrant an, an inclusion on this list if we consider Tremors kind of a kaiju-adjacent film and, like I said, the host down the line, which, of course, I definitely do. So I'm not tanking this movie's score entirely because of that, but I still think it does lack the grandeur or kind of the the menace that is in so many other kaiju movies. Of course, more of a creature feature than than anything else. Uh, so as where as it stands as uh, kaiju evocative piece of art, I'm I'm giving it a five out of ten. Which I was just looking at our our score a second ago. Uh, for for the evocative nature isn't terrible. It is moderately insightful on our our scale, which I, I think I yeah, think it is. Uh, Muttering insightful, mixed feelings, flawed but worthy. Yeah. Um, so when we did Tremors for when we talked about the evocative nature, and I gave it an eight out of ten, we kind of butted heads on on whether you know the kaiju adjacent could be as evocative. And and I I mean you know even off air, your your, your wife agreed with me about Tremors. So which is our, which is interesting point, stop stop right there our, our scores are like one point different it's not that crazy. A, a point that matters because it, it kept it from being a nine which it deserved <laughs> so so and 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 thinking about that with these american films is that this is kind of what i'm taking into consideration however that said i completely agree with you i am also giving it a five out of ten i i do think this does share a lot of narrative dna with a lot of the kaiju cinema we have come across. However, this is more of a creature feature, which is something I very much love. I love a good creature feature, mm-hmm. but it does have that lack of grandeur, which before the, the uh, podcast started, you, you and I were talking and, and you had mentioned that like, Hey, this thing eats 10 people at the very end of the movie. I can't, they were kind of setting up for it to do this big giant version of itself. Could it could have been and, on the list like fully and, and, and yeah, gotten a if, lot more points. If it had done that, this would have jumped three points. I would have given an eight out of 10. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Just going it's back to our tremors review, I gave that one a six out of 10 for its evocative and you gave it a monster, n- a nine out of 10, which like a gentleman I did. I absolutely like almost perfect um, score. 
Yeah, it's uh, an almost perfect movie. You're, you're giving it a five out of ten here. Yeah, I am giving it a five out of ten be- because okay. that that step, that that narrative choice to cross over into kaiju is what this film truly lacks. It is a good kaiju adjacent film. It's a very fun film, and it's a very fine creature feature. But I think that's an important distinction to make with this one, and that's why I have to, you know, as much fun as I have, and as technically good as I think it is. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I, I, I'm with you, buddy. I, it's a five out of ten for that evocative. Well, yeah. Going back to them, the the film that uh, shares shares an actor with this with this one, yeah, that that's also kind of kaiju adjacent. But that one, I feel like, is much more evocative of the era of the atomic threat of making giant monsters. Whereas this one, well, the scale for that one's so big too. Yeah, th- this one is more evocative of your genetic horror stories run amok your Jurassic parks of the day. And 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 at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's aim is to be a genetic horror story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what the original book is kind of based on, but I I feel like, yeah, it feels enough connective that we can kind of throw it in here and talk about a Kaiju adjacent film every once in a while. There, there are more coming this season, (laughs) believe it or not, but (laughs) Yeah, well, not just not just from from you, but there's some that are just like, is this really a kaiju movie? Is this even a movie <laughs> that that's going to bring our kaiju score? You actually round up slightly to a seven out of ten, and I am down at a six out of ten in our podcast final for the relic, a six out of ten, which is good. Yeah, I'm good perfectly film. as a kaiju film. I am perfectly happy with that score. It's not a bad one. And this is not a bad movie. It's I mean, look, if, you, if you've not seen it in 30 years or, you know, even if you've never seen it at all, it's it's fun. It's on several streaming services. I watched mine on Paramount Plus. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a fun 90s movie. <laughs> it's very fun. Yeah. So that's going to do it for the relic. Where, where can folks find us if they want to talk or perhaps yell at us about why we added this to our our full on list of of Godzilla and Gamera movies. Oh, if you if you, if you want to come at me and, and be incorrect, <laughs> you you are by more than welcome to reach us at kaiju versus history at gmail.com an account I don't have access to or to so you'll be young and nobody or you can hit us up on Twitter or X or whatever they call it now at kaiju versus history. You can uh, go to our website at kaiju versus history you can rate and review our show, comment, share with friends, let us know what you think. You can, if you actually want to yell at me, join the Cosmic Crit Discord. We have a Kaiju versus History channel on that. And both Patrick and I are active pretty much every day. I'd, I'd be happy to talk to people, but more people at Kaiju. It's mostly sharing toys and memes at this point and, and why I keep spending money. Also, check out our Letterboxd account to see all of our reviews and watch our list of films. Patrick, what? are we doing next week thank you miles thank you listeners we are going to catch you next time when we begin to count down towards the end of the year and look at two kind of back-to-back film releases that encompass the entirety of the series of a, a form of giant mechanized monsters from outer space and the most unlikable teen pilot to be produced from japan since amuro ray that's cool. right we we're, we're finally taking the time. To t- so tune in next time as we look at history versus neon Genesis, Evangelion, death and rebirth. <laughs>